Hi there, and welcome to Be a Global Citizen, the podcast that explores the concept of global citizenship through the lens of value-creating education. My name is Scott Bauer, and I'm a SOCA researcher and educator. I hope you find the discussion, stories, and insights on this podcast to be valuable and inspiring as we strive to become global citizens who are committed to living a contributive life. Today on the podcast, I spoke with Dr. Kalia Hopkins about her thoughts on global citizenship. Kalia is a special education instructional coach for the New York City Department of Education and an adjunct lecturer at Harvard University. She is passionate about racial equity, inclusive classrooms, culturally responsive education, and teaching. Her views on global citizenship center on lifting perspectives, building partnerships, and cultivating a greater sense of belonging in the world. Enjoy the conversation. My name is Dr. Kalia Hopkins. I am based out of the Bronx, New York. That's where I'm born and raised. Um, I do work in New York City, but I live in Jersey now. And I am what is called a specialized student support lead for the New York City public school system. And I'm really glad to be here. Hi, Kalia. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. I'm very, very happy to, to have you here and to speak about the important work that you're doing in New York. And you're based out of New Jersey, but you, you do more of your work in New York. Yeah, um, I live in New Jersey. That's my residence. But my work is in the uh, boroughs. <laughs> yeah, I have enough friends who who say they, they have a similar kind of situation where they're based out in New Jersey and then they kind of make that commute over. Um, and yeah, and, you know, we, we just recently had uh, a class where you were the professor, one of two cool professors. And um, yeah, and it was about like teaching exceptional learners. We covered special education uh, terms and vocabulary and approaches and inclusive uh, classrooms. And uh, it was a whirlwind of the two weeks because uh, there was just so much to just absorb. And I was uh, also just so happy to to kind of be, you know, kind of enveloped with the positive energy uh, that both of you had. Um, so, you know, it's it's exciting to kind of see the way, the, the various different intersections of the work that you do um, and uh, this concept that is very near and dear to my heart of uh, global citizenship. Um, and I think that a lot of interesting themes will emerge from this conversation. So, um, you know, the first question- I hope the point. <laughs> oh, no, you're going to do great. I I'm, I'm already know it. Manifesting that. Um, yes, manifesting. Yeah, and and so the first question really is uh, to kind of understand the you know how you got to to where you are now in terms of your your career the the kind of motivations the various different forks in the road decisions you've had to make that ultimately led you uh, to be uh, an educator to be professor um, to be you know many things so you know let's kind of look at some of the different milestones along that journey. Um, so yeah, wherever you like to start, how far, how far back you want to go in the timeline, it's all good. Well, it's, a, it's a long timeline. So let's see, I'm going to try to be as concise as possible while still giving you the meat and the potatoes. So um, I was born in the Bronx, as I said, and I'm the, sec I'm the second of six children. Um, you know, my mom and my dad for all of the, all of the things that they wanted for us, we had a bit of a struggling uh upbringing, um, you know, it was just the 80s and just not having work in the ways that um, is so available and accessible to me now. 
And my parents both had attended college, but didn't finish college. Um, but they were really smart. They just didn't necessarily have all the opportunities, I think, that um, I've been allotted, at least. Um, so we grew up in some sense in poverty, <laughs> you know what I mean, needless to say. And as much as I would love to say, I came from a family of educators, that's not my story. Um, I came to education in a very roundabout way. I my first I was at a PD. It's interesting that you just asked me this question because I was at a PD on Wednesday and they asked about what's your first job, your worst job and your best job. That was the icebreaker. And when it got to me, I had to say my first job actually was being a mom. I was a mom at 14. Right. I got pregnant at 14. So from the time of conception, I considered myself a mother. Um, I had just finished my ninth grade freshman year of high school and I was pregnant. And so um, that was my first job was taking care of another person. So with that being said, I didn't necessarily have this straight trajectory of like, I'm going to be a teacher. Like that's not what I was thinking at all. I was a nineties kid who grew up on MTV and I love Nelly videos and I wanted to be a Nelly videos. Like that was my initial like, ooh, I would love to be one of those girls in the video because at 15, 16, like that's just what you dream of at times. Um, but I was always good in school and I, I really took to that. And um, once I graduated, I graduated uh, a semester early from high school. So I had a couple of months to just kind of chill in between going into college. And when I went to college, I took my daughter with me. She was in both my high school in the daycare and she was in the in college daycare with me. So I had the access to bring my child that wasn't a barrier necessarily. And I, once I started doing well in school, I just, I felt a sense of accomplishment there. And I just wanted that to continue. I was like, I feel good here. This is something that um, people acknowledge me for. Um, I like learning. I enjoy it. Um, I loved reading books to my daughter. That was fun for me. And then when I got, when I, when I graduated, um, I went and just straight got my first master's degree in English literature. And I was like, well, what am I going to do with this in real life? And I think I went to a conference, shout out to the Mosaic Literary Conference that happens in the Bronx every year. I met someone there named Femi who was like, why aren't you a teacher? Are you a teacher? And I was like, I'm not actually. And she was like, well, you should be. And I actually um, applied to the New York City Teaching Fellows like a week before the deadline. And I ended up getting it, um, getting in because it was a shortage. It was like the recession. I came in in 2009. Um, so I actually had this really like, that wasn't my intent, but it aligned and I needed stability from a child. So that's kind of how I became an educator. That's the short version. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that was, that was wonderful. And I think it's just so timely about that icebreaker at, at a recent PD that you're just like, oh, wow, you know, now I'm being yeah. asked that again. And um, yeah, and you know, right off the bat, you're saying like first job, being a mother at age 14, uh, I can only imagine how that must have put uh, various strains on on you, your family, on your studies. Um, and, and you know, I actually recently had an, another conversation for the podcast with one of my classmates. Her name is Mariah. And um, yeah. yeah, and she's, you know, she lives in Uganda and she shared. Hi, how Mariah. She, <laughs> shout out to Mariah. Yes. Uh, and she shared that she was also a teenage mother and that in Uganda, as well as in the United States, there is this stigma that is attached to that. Um, sure. And she reframed it as saying that she was not a teenage mother. She was a warrior mother. Yes. <laughs> and I just cool. love that. And so I, just I wanted, love that. Yeah, I wanted to bring that 
that that terminology back into this conversation because I thought you'd appreciate that. Um, Absolutely. And um, yeah, and so then going and kind of discovering that schooling, um, the college setting, academics, um, just learning was something that you were really passionate about. And that, you know, through a series of events, someone pointed out, hey, you'd be a great teacher. I'm curious, I've asked this question to uh, another friend of mine, um, but, you know, what do you think that person uh, at that that festival um, saw in you? Like, what did they see in you that maybe led them to say, Kalia, why, why don't you apply to be, why aren't you a teacher already? What's wrong with you? You know, like, what do you think she saw? So I don't know, I, you've taken a class with me now. So you kind of know the energy that I bring into a space. And I think that when it's not just being a participant and like raising your hand and answering people's questions, but I really do feel like if I'm talking to someone, it's very synergistic, no, you know, nine times out of 10, I feel like we, we are just kind of vibing off of each other. So she was asking questions. And people were, you know, engaging and answering. But I think there was just a way that I was um, not only answering, but furthering the discussion and asking more questions, you know, in addition to the questions that were being asked to me. Um, and just really like immersing myself in being present in that moment. And I think she just saw me as like someone who had presence, which is very difficult to teach. Like I coach teachers all the time. And I'm always just like, I don't know. I, can, I don't know how to teach presence. You know what I mean? I, it, it's a harder, it's a harder sell. You know, I, mean, I can teach you a skill, I can teach you a strategy, but I can't necessarily teach you how to show up. That's something you have to know in your own being. And I think that our beings kind of connected. And she was just like, you know, this energy, like, why you don't, why don't you have this energy in front of children on a regular basis? And I was just like, that's a good question. I need to think about that. Like, is that something that I could bring? Cause I think as a child, I grew up, I went to, shout out to District 9 public schools, but District 9 was yikes. You know, that wasn't a district that was a highly sought after place to send your children. We have a very um, high poverty rate. We definitely uh, didn't have a lot of resources, um, you know, to be, I was like scoring in the top 96 percentile of my class, but that was of like in the city, but it was really like, we had no resources. It was like, if you were the person to make it in that concrete jungle, it was like, because you were just like gifted, you know, and that's how everybody kind of treated you. And just knowing that the type of experiences I had as a student, it was not glamorous to be a teacher. We saw our teachers stressed out. We saw our teachers very tired. They were extremely like just burned out from behaviors, from just, you know, grading, all, all the things. And so that wasn't something we aspired, that people that I went to school with aspired to do. Um, and so that's why I mean, like, it was kind of very roundabout because I just, it didn't look like a job. It looked like a job, like with the long J, long O, long B, right? Like you just, it was too, I don't know if the juice was always worth the squeeze. You know what I mean? It, it, it didn't seem like it. And I loved my teachers growing up, but I just felt like this is a lot for one person to give of themselves every single day to a lot of different people. You know, you just, you got a full class. So I think she saw just me having gifts and talents, which I appreciate her recommending that to me. I'm still friends with her on Facebook. Um, and I see her and Femi, she just, she saw that in me and really planted a seed that maybe my talents could be used with a wider audience. So shout yeah, out to her. Thank you for sharing that answer. Because um, <laughs> I, I feel that when it comes to friends or just even a, an acquaintance, right? Someone from outside just kind of observing, noticing these things about ourselves. It really helps us to understand 
what path is emerging before us. It, it can be very difficult, especially uh, as a, you know, someone who's just starting off to validate certain strengths, skill sets that they might have, um, attitudes, et cetera. And, and, and yeah, and it's really, reassur it's really reassuring to know that like, oh, this is something that I could potentially use. Um, I possess something that is actually quite difficult, right? Like that I, I know how to show up. I know how to bring my A game. I know what it's like to really give my 100% presence in front of a person, in front of a classroom, in front of whatever audience that is. Um, and and yeah, and, and, and another thing that you mentioned that really resonated with me is about the perception of teachers, right? Especially the perception that students current students yeah. have of a lot of teachers they see the workload they see the stress the um you know the sense of like never-ending work because of the <laughs> right. and all of that and yeah I I also was like feeling that when I was a student uh it just it, it wasn't something I, I never thought I would be a teacher myself and and then you know here we are we're both yeah. teachers how did that <laughs> <You're> happen <right. laughs> and and yeah I think I think that you know that teaching doesn't get the kind of credit it, it truly deserves, um, and and so it is worth the squeeze. But also, I think there is something to say about um, you know one's intentions and like how effective one is in in that process of um, engaging with with others and being present with others. Um, so you know the, the next question I think relates to what you brought up, what your friend brought up about you um, about. <laughs> What does it mean to show up? Um, what does it mean to be present? Can you teach that? Um, I don't know if it's the word teach, but I know that you can see it modeled by others. And um, I wanted to ask, like, when you were growing up, was there a particular person or set of people that modeled that for you, that modeled what it means to show up and be present and have that kind of energy? So there were bits and pieces that I'm sure I've taken from, you know, those models uh, as a student. One of the women, uh, and this is a tribute shout out to the nails, right? Because I have very sparkly, very uh, adorned nails. Um, and that's something as a treat to myself, but it is something, one of the things that people notice first about me when I walk into a space. And I remember in seventh grade having an, uh, a math teacher named Ms. Burgess who had very long nails. And I didn't, it wasn't, I just admired how neatly she wrote on the chalkboard with them. And, you know, cause you know, of course people see your long nails, they're like, how do you function? And, you know, of course she was functioning just fine. And, you know, she was always had her hair done and her, her outfits were very cute. And, you know, she taught math. And I thought that, you know, math is not an easy subject to teach to middle schoolers um, in general, but, you know, she did what she needed to do. She had us teach lessons um, at times, right. And trying to build up our presentation skills, confidence, things like that. Um, gave us real feedback. Um, you know, she was also, I think, I think she was like also West Indian. So when she would get upset, like her accent would come out like even more, but it was more like not upset, like angry, but just like trying to put us like, get it together. You know what I mean? And she would go into her, her Caribbean accent with us when she was trying to get us together. And I remember just thinking as I became a teacher, like who were the people that I was kind of pulling from? And there was, there's, Another teacher that I always I always reference her, and it was Miss Sandoval. And I remember this is second grade, so you know she had left an impression on me because most people can't even remember the names of their elementary school teachers. But Miss Sandoval was a person who really saw me, 
And when I say saw me, I had just come out of um, temporary housing in the second grade and I was in class and I had previously had a lot of maladjustment issues in school. Like everybody was like, Kalia is really smart, but she just socially is not, she just doesn't take well to being in these social settings. I had been used to only being at home with my mom. So, and my brother, my older brother, when he would come home from school. So I wasn't used to being in school. And Ms. Sandoval was the person who told me one, that I needed glasses. She was like, you need glasses, Kalia. You not, you know, your math is correct, but that's not what I wrote on the board. You know what I mean? Like, and, or she would say, you know, if you have to go to the bathroom, just go to the bathroom. Don't raise your hand. Cause I used to have, I used to wet myself in school. So she would say, and, I, and my mom told her that she said, Kalia has like some bladder issues and she gets very nervous and she's afraid to ask for permission. And she says, you never have to ask me for permission, Kalia. Like you can just get up and go to the bathroom. So when I became a teacher, my, I never had to pass. I was like, get up and go wherever you need to go because that's what was given, that, that liberty was given to me. And that really helped me to just take care of my personal needs and still be present. So when I had to go to the restroom, I would go, I would come right back, you know, come back and do the rest of my lessons. And I would treat my students the exact same way. And I think just authenticity has a lot, not just to do with how you show up, but what your values are and how you represent that. And it wasn't that Miss Sandoval connected with me on a cultural level. She was, she was South American, right? Like we weren't, we didn't necessarily had the cultural identity in common, but she just was a good human being. And she always brought Melba toast. I used to love the Melba toast she used to bring in. And every time I would put my chair up, First, she would give me a piece of this like bread that was really well toasted. And it was buttery. And she'd be like, Kalia, here's your toast for like being really good today. And I used to be so well behaved because I really wanted that. And she just like, like, again, she just saw me and I appreciated her understanding what I needed in a room full of 25 other children. Like I needed glasses. I needed to sit in the front of the room until I got my glasses. Like I could go to the bathroom whenever I felt like it. And she said, don't no, no one asked me why Kalia is getting up, right? Just go do your work. You know what I mean? And I, I think it's really speaks to this individualized attention that students need. Don't worry about what's happening with what, why I'm giving this person what I'm giving them. Cause when you need something, I will give you what you need as well. And I think that's part of being um, a very authentic teacher is just also knowing who's in front of you and how do you respond in your humanity towards that person. So that was a roundabout answer, but I think I was, I was going somewhere with that. <laughs> no, not, not at all. I, I love that answer. And it, there was this this theme of of authenticity uh, that was very evident in both cases of of these uh, wonderful teachers that you had. Um, and, you know, each one really uh, did did their best to to model that authenticity. Uh, I think the example of uh, was it Miss Burgess mm -hmm. <laughs> with just long nails and good handwriting and good just handwriting. just just doing her thing like right doing math and all of that yep. is great. Um, but in particular with like Miss Sandoval, I, I I felt that there was such um, deep concern and consideration that yep. she extended to you and this kind of generosity of um, just yeah like even like the piece of toast right? yeah <laughs> so yeah simple. but i it's mean very... again we're talking like second grade right the simple things like you know that's where you meet and you yeah. they value that and um and like yeah simple suggestions right things that you know probably are taken for granted like oh you need glasses yeah like, well i mean it seems obvious now <laughs> and, and, and in hindsight things are 2020 <laughs> um, exactly those glasses exactly. <laughs> But yeah, and then and you know the I I felt really touched by the whole like bathroom pass like you don't you just go and you know again it's like 
there are things that I think as young students, we weren't, we have these insecurities, we have these concerns, we have these anxieties going into these classrooms, right? And sure. to to have that conversation beforehand and to just make it really clear that like, this is how we're going to operate. And it's, of course, dictating on like what you're most comfortable with as like the student. And I just felt like, yeah, that was just such a such a wonderful gesture that a teacher could could have for the student and that you continue to like, you know, apply in your own classrooms. Um, and so, you know, that, that kind of influence is really important. Um, you know, you've you've taken from both of these uh, wonderful teachers in, in their own unique way, you got the nails on point, <laughs> consideration and concern in spades. So um, let, maybe if you could take me to that moment where you you passed the, the exam uh, for like to become a teacher in New York, right? Uh, the yep. fellowship, I think you mentioned it. Yep. Um, where did you start teaching and what was your first day of class like? Okay, so this is actually dope. Um, so my principal, so here's, let me go backwards to go forward. So at the time when you're in the New York city teaching fellows, they put you in a graduate school for, um, where you're going to do your coursework for the next two years. But in the beginning of that program, they have you student teach. So in addition to taking classes in the summer, so you go to a summer school site, you do some work there. And then in the afternoon into the like early evening, you have coursework. One of my professors, he was an adjunct, uh, Avi Tropper. He uh, was doing his internship as an AP at the school that I ended up teaching in. So he, he knew that I was looking to, you know, all of us were looking for jobs essentially, but he knew I had a master's degree in English literature. And he knew that there was a vacancy at the school he was at that was about to have an English vacancy, even though my license was in special ed. So I was being special ed certified, but because I already had the background in English, he said, you might be able to do uh, kind of both. You might be able to work into both um, both of your strengths. So I said, okay, well, let me know how that goes. Cause I'm, I don't want to be running around here if I don't have to, if you have a connection, you know what I mean? I'd rather just go with your connection. So he uh, gives my information over to the founding principal who is still the principal there, Dr. Bernadette Drysdale. Um, I love her to this day. She's like one of the people I model my leadership after. Um, Jamaican woman, black woman, very short, but lots of energy. She's another person, so much energy. Um, she calls me on the fly and is like, do you have time to come in today? This is like some mid-August. Do you have time to come in today and have an interview? I am in my house watching Maury. My daughter's in the, in the living room. I have to really do a latchkey kid moment where I'm like, don't answer the phone, don't answer the door, don't do anything. Mommy's coming right back. Luckily, the school was only about 20 minutes from my house. So I go to the school. My nails are very long, even longer than they are right now. If you could, Scott is looking at me, y'all are not looking at me, but <laughs> but they're, they're long nails. And um, while I go into the interview, I'm kind of sitting on my hands a bit. Cause I'm not sure if there's a bias there, if there's going to be a issue with me not being seen as professional. So I'm trying to, but I'm not going to uh, not take the opportunity. So I'm like, I'm showing up anyway. We're just going to try to hide it as long as we can. And, you know, we're talking and everything is cool. And she, she and I are having a really great conversation. Don't even remember the question she asked me. Um, and then uh, when I go to shake her hand to say, well, thank you so much for the opportunity. She sees my nails and she says, I didn't see these. I didn't see. Oh my gosh. 
And then she's like, type something. So she just started making me do these little tasks with my nails. Like, can you type your name real quick? So I just type it on the typing board. She's like, can you pick up this pen? I was like, sure. What would you like me to write? She was like, I don't know, just write a note. And then she's like, oh my gosh, my students are going to love you. They're going to love you. Don't take another job. Let me get, let me get back to you. Just don't take another job. Mind you, I had no other job lined up, but I'm just like, okay, you know, I'm, I won't, I won't consider any other offers. Like I had any on the table in the first place. And she was just like, probably, I think within 24 hours, she was like, oh, we need you to bring in your information, blah, 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 blah. Like all went well. So I'm in the ninth grade. I come in the first day I was in, I used to work at Hunter College as a uh, a school counselor, like a, you know, I would do like go over your credits with you, show you like what courses you needed, all that. So I worked in an office. You go from an office to kids screaming, slamming lockers. It was just like the biggest migraine you could have ever imagined. But the kids took to me immediately. I was only like nine, 10 years older than them. Like all they see is these nails, they see in these shoes, they see in me like, you know, just kind of coming through and you know, I come through with like a syllabus, like I have them have a contract, but you know, I'm telling my little jokes and we're going through the motions. Right. And the first day I just remember the kids just being like, oh my gosh, did you see the new teacher, Miss Hopkins? Like her nails is so fly. Like, the, you know, they're just going through the motions with me. And I will say it was the best first year I think I could have asked for because my principal trusted me. Um, my students connected with me quite a bit you, my thing is like, I didn't expect to be besties with all my students, right? That wasn't the intent, but I had a connection with all of my students. And I thought that was extremely important to let them know that I'm not just going to try to get over with being cool with you, but it matters that I am cool with you. You know what I mean? I don't want to negate that. Um, and so it was just a really positive experience. I had, I slept though, like I was a bear hibernating because the amount of noise that I encountered that day was just so intense that I needed to take a nap. So, so I think the first day I like my daughter had her first day of school and she was, I think in like fourth grade, I didn't even have time to ask her how her day was. I was knocked out, but it was a great experience. Wow. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I normally hear stories of like just utter chaos and like, it's, it's very like negative and, this mm -hmm. and that. but I mean, that sounds like a great day. And you know, that story about the nails, I, I feel like I, I need to get like some long nails because needs to happen. you get jobs. It's the showstopper. It is the showstopper for the real. Showstopper. Okay. Well, if I do go down that path, I <laughs> reach out to. And... You will reach out to me. Yes. Yeah. But, um, you know, I think it's it's just, it's it's wonderful how you, you tell the story from this like initial point of like, I don't really know who I'm talking to in this interview maybe they might not like like my name I mean because that's that's a serious thing like in the yeah. sense of like kind of prejudices and like kind of things that maybe just they, they won't tell you but no. you'll know because you didn't get the job you did exactly. everything else right and and so then to have that reaction and to kind of have that excitement of her being like you know what I think this will be a connection with the students yeah. and and then to have that immediately you know validated on day one um I just find it's a it's again, to the point of authenticity, just mm -hmm. show up as yourself, right? I think that's yep. the, that's the main takeaway. And, you know, yep. teachers, I think the, the most successful ones are able to have that connection because they're unabashed with how they, you know, approach certain things, the way they conduct the class or the way that they present. Um, and, and while you, you held the teacher, you had the teacher hat on or the teacher nails on. Yeah. <laughs> 
um, didn't stop being Kalia. And, um, and I, I think that that speaks to that deeper kind of like human, human um, element, right? Like, I don't know, people think that teachers are just like, ah, oh, they're just talking heads and they're just boring. <laughs> and boring. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, you know, we, we go to the grocery store, we, we go, and the club, and we go yeah, to the club. We go to the club. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, okay, I don't, I'll be honest, I don't really go to the club, but, but I didn't have time to go to the cool club, thing. though. But when I did go, I was very cute, but, but I didn't have time like that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that, um, this connection of like teachers, but like really good teachers are really good human beings. And to be a good human being in a way means bringing out that kind of like, core essence of like this is what I'm about or this is who I am in this moment this kind of becomingness I think is really engaging Absolutely. um you know they're always students are always asking questions like like where did you get your nails done you know like basic mm -hmm. stuff like mm -hmm. why are you going with this color this design or like check this out um and so yeah like that speaks to a tight bond of like teacher student um relationships and so you know those relationships I would imagine um have been what sustains you in the work that you do, because, you know, the, you know, na nails aside, uh, yeah. the work that you do is incredibly, incredibly serious and demanding. I mean, okay, your nails are very, you know, demanding and serious too, yes. but, yes, yes, yes. You know but yes. in real life, yes, yes, yes. The, 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 yeah, we're talking about futures right, the, of these Absolutely. students. And, yes. and so as you have, um, you know, continued in your, your journey as an educator, you've taught many, many, many classes, and you you now teach teachers, um, and you do it at the graduate level as well. Um, yes. Yeah, how, what, are, what are some, um, I don't know, I'm just curious, like, what are some takeaways, like some kind of learnings that you, you would say that stand out um, through the, um, you know, decade or more uh, experience that you've been able to bring in, in your capacity right now? I mean, some people ask me questions like, what do you like better? Do you like better like teaching high schoolers? Or do you like it teaching like graduate students? And and it's not, a, I love teaching period. Like that's a, that's a hard period, right? I just love teaching. But I do think there's a way that for, for me, the universality around it is the idea of partnership, right? I think the, the other issue is people think authentic is just like, okay, I'm showing up as myself, but authenticity also comes from disclosing what you don't know. And I used to have to be very humble in front of my students and say like, oh, I don't even know that, right? <laughs> but but it's okay, we can figure that out together. You know what I mean? Um, or um, I've never heard heard that before, but let me look into that. Um, because I was also very young, right? And I was also becoming, and I was also learning. I was 24 when I came into teaching. And so um, now being almost 40 is a very different business. You know, um, Teaching graduate students is also like, I'm talking to adults with lives, with children, with uh, previous careers, with all kinds of experiences, travel, coming from different countries, all of that. Like that is something that I take in, like I'm ingesting that I'm also, you know, and again, I go with that word synergy, like we're going back and forth because I know you have experiences, whether you are five or 35 or 55, right? Like five-year-olds have experiences and I want to hear what those experiences sound like and how can I connect and how can I relate? And I think that's the most rewarding part about being in this work is that you're constantly learning through just dialogue. Like I talked to, you know, when you would all be in your breakout rooms and I'd say lift that when you get to the main room, because I need that to, once you put your words out there, not everyone else has to kind of like 
see how they feel in relation to those sets of words that you chose to use, right? And so we're all constantly like reevaluating, reassessing, re-reflecting like, oh, I, I actually didn't think about that. Or I actually don't, I'm uncomfortable by that. And why am I uncomfortable by that? And I disagree with that. But like, what is causing me to disagree with that? And I think it's not just about disagreeing or agreeing. It's about like, what are we bringing to that that is causing us to have the feelings, the emotions, the responses, the behaviors that we're having. And that's something you get to see being a, a being an educator, especially if you're not just concerned with right and wrong answers. And I was fortunate enough to be an English teacher where things were very interpretive. So I love the fact of seeing like how one thing could be seen in several ways. Um, and I think that's part of, and I'm not gonna try to go ahead of you, but I think that's part of like, thinking about this notion of global citizenship, it's like there's so many perspectives, there's so many ways that people are coming into their experiences that you want to still know that we're different, but that there's a place where I can still feel connected to you and belong. And so that sense of belonging comes from me just being like, we're engaged in the same topic, but we're not having the exact same experience with this topic. And that's cool. Um, so, you know, once you realize your job is not to necessarily I'm not here to bring you necessarily over to my side and vice versa, but we're here to just kind of see how all of these things make up a bigger structure, right? It's not your side or my side. It's like all of this is building something new. And I think that's really dope, you know, to as an educator, if you see it for its opportunities and its possibilities, this shit is fun. Excuse me, I cussed. I'm sorry, but it's fun. It's a fun, it's such a fun profession and a rewarding one. Well, I mean, you you've sold me i'm uh, to the idea of being a teacher um thank you for for really you know advocating and saying why you teach um and why it, it doesn't it doesn't really matter about the specific grade levels it's it matters about how you um appreciate and value the experiences that people bring with them into a shared learning environment and um and it's funny you were saying like oh i'm sorry i didn't want to get ahead of you Kalia, I'm just trying to keep up with you. So you're just doing you and I'm I'm doing my best to to just show up uh, and be my authentic you're showing self. Up. You're showing up and showing out. Don't Thank worry you. about it. Thank you. Um, but, you know, I'm so glad that you mentioned about global citizenship. Um, and I feel like you've already, like, you've said different words that are just kind of like, it's like mapping out. It's like the constellation of like kind of what where you're coming at it from. Because you mentioned um, not only about authenticity, but the importance of relationships. You mentioned perspectives just now. And then I love what you said about learning through dialogue, right? And and I think, um, and then it speaks to like you just being equal parts, you know, the teacher, the instructor, but also students, because then you're occupying that space of just like, I'm here to like learn from you as well. Um, there's that mutual kind of like that shared inquiry, that engagement that I think is really deep. So um, you know, I wanted to ask um, about this term, global citizenship. When when was the first time that it kind of popped up on your radar? And then um, is that something that um, kind of informs how you've just now kind of articulated with these different words and terms? Like, how how did you kind of come into this notion of global citizenship? Or is it something that's just been more recently kind of you've been drawing from your experiences and realizing, oh, this this is actually kind of what it means to me now. Yeah, it is, it's definitely more recent, um, but I would say the term is more recent, not the concept. So I think we're like, you know, words mean things obviously. And so you wanna make sure that when you're saying something, people are able to, you know, have a sense of familiarity with the term. So you don't wanna, like, I know 
when I'm having conversations in classrooms, um, both with teachers and with students, like I'm trying my best to make sure that we are all, um, we all have a sense of belonging. We ha all have a sense of not just inclusion, but just that whatever's being said here is because we are our own community, right? Because you all come from different communities. But as of right now, we are our own community. And that comes up, that that's comprised of a lot of different types of people. Um, but we still look out for each other. We are, we are someone who protects, right? We are making sure that uh, everyone feels seen, they feel heard. And sometimes people don't wanna be seen and heard in a particular way, right? They don't wanna be highly visible and that's okay too, but you're still with us. Um, and I think that that has to be honored as well. Everyone doesn't want to be extra. I'm an extra person, right? I'm, I'm seen when I come into a place, but I also respect when people are like, no, I'm good just being an observer. And you're still an observer, but you're still in it with us. Um, the global citizenship term, I think there's starting to be some buzz, I think in the, like New York City public schools because of current events, because students are actually finding out more information via social media than they are in their classrooms. And I think there's a push now to make sure that students are quote unquote global citizens. And I still feel a little wishy-washy about the ways in which that's defined um, in certain spaces. But um, to your point and in, in your synopsis of, of what I said just now, I do believe it really is about partnership, um, belonging. It is about um, lifting perspectives. I think that's something that we talked about even in our class, right? And also in policy. Um, that's not my strongest suit, but I do understand the the implications that it has, right? That, you know, what's written, you know, we have to then, we can then follow, you know, certain things I can follow, I'm going to follow because they are aligned to my values. So I don't necessarily, I don't, me, Kalia doesn't necessarily need something to be written down for me to, to do what's right, but some people do need things written down in order to do what's right. And I understand that. So policy is extremely important. Um, but I do feel like one of the things that has come up lately, and I was saying this offline before we started the conversation, is a book called Black Powerful by Natasha Marin. Um, and it has a lot of contributors, just people writing about their experiences of when they feel seen, heard, and valued, when do they feel most protected, um, when do they feel most indigenous. Like, so there's like there's a guiding question, and then there's a group of writers who just respond to that question. And usually the same way you asked me in the beginning, like, What's your name? Where are you from? Where are you based? It comes up in the writing as well. And a couple people wrote, like, my name is this and I'm a global citizen, right? And I thought that was really interesting that that was the way that they chose to, because most people were like, you know, Charlottesville, Virginia, I live in Illinois. You know, I'm, I was born here and now I live here. This person was like global citizen and I loved it. And I don't have the specific writer off the top of my head. But one of the things that was said that I really resonated with me, and I don't even have the book in front of me, but it resonated with me so much was I'm a global citizen because I know there's no place on this in this world where black people haven't set foot. Right. So I'm comfortable wherever I am. And I try to take and I, I read that and I was like, oh, wow, like. I want to be that person. I'd like to think that even through my insecurities and the things that I'm self-conscious about and anxious about, that I still try to show up as someone who belongs in the space. And that's a very difficult thing to do sometimes as a Black woman who, you know, I was a team mom, right? You know, or as a warrior mom, as Mariah would say, right? And like, and I, I know that this wasn't, a lot of the places that I've been, those places weren't set for me. And that's cool, but I still show up as if, Everybody I know has, you know, ever loved has been here before. And I think that's super important for our students, right? To know that anywhere you place, anywhere you go, 
in the world is where you belong. And I think that's something that I tried to instill in my students, not always consciously, you know, not with the with like this intent, but I think by the end of my teaching at the K to 12 space, I was very clear on that, that I wanted you to feel good about who you were. I've taught predominantly Dominican students. Um, we had some overlap in our cultures and we had some di differences in our cultures, but when it was all said and done, they knew like, you know, I don't care how you got here. I don't care if you're undocumented. I don't care what you, you, you showed up, you did the work, you know, you belong in any space that you set your foot in. I don't care what papers say. I don't care what anything says. Like you're, you're here and you're, you're valued. And yeah, that's my long, my long drawn out way of talking about that. <laughs> no, that's, that was the only way you could have talked about <laughs> it. It was beautiful. And I'm so glad that you you brought into the discussion um, this 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 book reference. I, I, that actually, you know, again, I can't keep up with you. You know, it's you're you're just you're too you're too quick. You're too good because I I always end like the conversations with, can you share like a book recommendation? Uh, I can share some other things, uh, but oh, okay, great, yeah, <laughs> we're we're good. But I, I was just like, wow, you know, Kali is on it. Um, yeah, so like this book, it's called Black Powerful. Powerful. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. Um, yeah. Black imagination as well. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I just love um yeah, I, I love that that pronouncement of like I'm a global citizen. The reason for that is rooted in belonging, right? Yeah. Deserving to be wherever your feet are planted. And yeah. that sense of like, um, you know, it's it's a big world, you know. And at the same time, our ancestors yes. <laughs> You know, yeah. who are those ancestors? I think that's a big, important um, aspect to the, the you know, the narrative that we we see when it comes to um, marginalized or discriminated against populations. You know, the kind of sense of like, like who who am I? Who are we? And why are we under the kind of um, circumstances of like racial oppression and like the kind of, um, you know, just compounding effects that 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 has had over the centuries of our our country's existence and um and yeah and i i fully believe that that interpretation of global citizenship is important much more profound and needed uh, rather than just you know like kind of like global literacy that that is important and i think that's kind of what you were alluding to in the case yeah. of like the buzz in like new york yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> um you know it is an important skill to filter out all of the kind of you know new the, the onslaught of like just news like breaking news and this yeah. is happening you know uh, but i think if it's not tied to a sense of identity if it, there's no connection to one's own heart and how that that the, this you know it's almost like magic ability yeah. that humans have to empathize if it's not grounded in any of that then i mean you could be the you could be the most knowledgeable person about global events there there are but like it doesn't really affect anything yes um, and so um yeah so i just wanted to you know mention Can I add? Mm -hmm. yeah Can of course I add something that i i wanted to mention so we said the thing around identity um in particular i think one of the things that needs to be emphasized to students and to people in general right that you don't you can't go you can't be this global citizen if you're not a local citizen, right? You're not looking at how how you're impact, impacting your just your immediate surroundings, but also that you're not, and this is not a real word, but like, you know, in terms of even being a citizen of self, right? Like, how do I feel about myself in my own skin, in my own body? Um, do I value my own body? Cause then how can I value others? How can I be an advocate for others? 
um, we do this thing, um, and, and Beth, who also, um, I taught with an A-term, um, she, she introduced this notion of rights and responsibilities, um, to our classroom space. And so we would co-construct along with the, with the students, what are our rights in this space? What are our responsibilities in this space to one another? And the interesting thing that we would know is how much, and I actually just did this with a school last week, how much people see them having way more responsibilities to one another than rights for themselves. The rights list would be much shorter and then the responsibilities will be a lot longer. And I would say, well, if you don't feel like you have rights as an individual, how are you then being responsible to everyone else, right? Because I have to first see myself as worthy of certain treatment before I can extend that treatment elsewhere. And I felt it was really interesting to see how when I do that exercise, a lot of the times the rights are way shorter than the responsibilities. And I think that that's something to think about in terms of what we hold and, and somehow we think that's some somehow being noble, right? Because I'm willing to do more for others than I'm willing to do for myself. And I'm like, no, 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 no value yourself as a citizen, like myself citizenship. And then I can extend to local global citizenship. I can't do that if I'm not right. What did Lauren Hill say? How you gonna win when you ain't right within? You can't, you know, you can't win if you're not right within. And I think that's one of the things that we need to kind of unpack a little bit more. Like we're so busy trying to go outward and like, no, you go inward because the inward will then dictate the outward. So yeah, this is something that came up as you were talking. <laughs> I don't know. That's awesome. Great contribution. And I, I, I think that it, it speaks to this need for a balance in that list. I mean, it, probably much more complex than just simply, okay. all right, you got five over here for responsibility. Okay. Five over here for rights. All right, we good. <laughs> no, but I do think that that kind of consideration, um, really valuing the inner work that has to happen. And my, my thoughts take me to kind of like concentric circles of like one kind of pushing out pushing and then the other the outer circle expanding and yeah. and and oftentimes with this local global dynamic um yeah it, the local is the one that's kind of leading the way and kind of expanding and you know yeah. hopefully the goal is lifelong learning and yeah. uh you know commitment to to uh, empathizing with with others and kind of training that as a skill and um, understanding that there's always more to be learned um, and that we don't have it, it's yeah you were saying about like the disclosing what you don't know that mm -hmm. brings us back to the authenticity piece of like it's okay not to know even though society and professionalism and whatever you know arena you find yourself in would like to tell you otherwise that oh how come you don't have the answer aren't you the expert don't you have the the degree and you're like hey i'm a human being i'm just doing right. the best i can <laughs> And, and, you know, and again, to be a global citizen, like it's, uh, I think it is really as simple as the whole being a good human being. And, I, you know, I, trying to get us full circle here with the teaching, the being a good human being. But like, um, I, do, I do think that we we see this modeled and not only like the great world leaders, you know, like a, like a Nelson Mandela or some someone like, you know, who truly, you know, went through such transformation, but has this kind of like, presence about them that same presence can be felt in our like second grade teachers right absolutely <laughs> and absolutely. you got to give them credit you know um so especially if they if they be you know rocking the nails oh my gosh yeah all the praise all the praise <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he's done many great things in his life he did not have the, <laughs> the, the glitzy nails exactly um, 
So, you know, we, we are coming to the end of our conversation. Um, and, you know, I wanted to ask about the book. I know, I know it's been so lovely. And um, I really appreciate you for showing up and just, you know, really, um, you know, gracing us with your story and your influences and, um, and yeah, and how your, it's like your orientation about teaching and how this concept of global citizenship is, um, is still forming. Right, it's still being informed by uh, the various books, especially you know the most recent one with Black Powerful. Yeah. Um, but it's uh, it's you know it comes with a lot of experience, and so do you have any other book recommendations or movie, even movie recommendations too? But something yeah. that might be fitting for our conversation. So I'm not going to so for anybody who knows me, I'm not recommending any shows right now because all I've been watching is cult documentaries. So y'all gonna have to just we're gonna have to table that part, but um. I, I'm very much a fan of Adrienne Marie Brown's work. Um, she has the Emergent Strategy series and um, she really talks about possibility. That's like a lot of the root of her work. Um, she's right now based, I think, in Detroit. And of course, you know, if you know anything about what's going on, has been going on in Detroit in terms of Flint and the water, all, all kinds of things. But she's such an Afrofuturist in terms of just thinking about what is possible for people who are poor, queer, um, black, brown, et cetera, like all these marginalized identities that she doesn't really compartmentalize, which I think is great, right? It's not like, oh, got the black person check, got the queer person. It's like, it's so much going on. It's so much richness. And I think she's always thinking about <clears throat> what it means to preserve life, um, to preserve the earth, you know, to think differently. And it's very, it, it, she's very much inspired by Octavia Butler, um, so she's, she talks about like all this apocalyptic kind of things, but that really drive us to then get down to our best rooted selves, right? It's like when you take away all of this, all of these distractions, all of these things that really create destruction, now you just have your humanity. And usually humans, not only do we want to survive, but we also want to grow things. We also want to live. We also want, you know what I mean? There's, there's so much that we want to do. Um, and I think that's super important um, in terms of her contributions. And then um, right now, too, I've just really been uh, obsessed with this notion of rest. Um, and Trisha Hersey um, also um, talks about just rest, right? She's, the, she's from the NAP ministry. And we as marginalized folks have so much that we carry with us. And we're so exhausted all the time because of that, the double weight of just doing your job and operating as a as a person in a in a body that is not always valued that it is important for us to be global citizens and by being global citizens you got to lay down lay down and take a nap you know <laughs> and and take care of yourself you know and I I go back to that because we do want to there's so much that needs to be changed and we understand that but we can't do all of it and the best thing you can do is take care of yourself first and I think this getting clear because when you're always in the act of doing your your mind is not at rest you can't strategize appropriately you can't think straight you know you, you can't run on empty so i think right now those are two of the 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 women who are really having me rethink the way that i am showing up um and so i'm always thinking about you know i'm reflecting constantly but i'm also just like who has a perspective i haven't heard and those are the two women in the last like couple of years who I feel have been just like constantly coming out with content or things like that or having conversations that we as people of color are not used to having um, often. I love that. Yeah. Rethinking how you show up 
it, it just speaks to the ongoing, you know, project of self betterment, <laughs> but also self discovery, self realization. Um, the fact that you know you've been teaching for many many years and you're you know incredibly knowledgeable, you have so much experience, and yet when you get to the top of a mountain, there's always this bigger mountain in the distance. Yes. All right, time to climb that one now. Yes. So to see how you know through the actions that you take, um, you're doing what is you know in essence your mission, but then also you're curious to learn from others who are seeing different pathways towards like where we we should be going or considerations of where we should be going that um, will inform each step that you take and I think that's that's wonderful and that's what a good teacher does they just keep being students yep. you know that uh, yep. sounds contrary you know contrary to it but I think it's it's true and so um, thank you so much Kalia for this wonderful and super you know lively and energizing stimulating conversation um i wanted to give the last few words to you uh, any kind of send-offs um any any other shout outs uh, whatever it is to kind of you know conclude well i think uh first of all thank you for inviting me i'm so glad that i've had the opportunity to share space with you as your instructor but now also as your guest on um on your platform and shout out to dr Rhonda bondi who was the my co-professor and who's an amazing person, just an amazing, uh, she's a wealth of knowledge as well. Um, and I just want to, you know, shout out all the teachers, all the educators in whatever capacity you do that, parents, future educators, because we don't need y'all. Uh, as you can see, that shortage ain't, it, it's not getting better. The teacher shortage is not getting any better. So, you know, we need more of your minds. Um, and I hope too, that you're able to change how we even do education. That's one of the things that I'm hoping. I want people to be their authentic selves. I want them to um, bring in all of the things that are happening from the outside, inside, and having those conversations, not from a place of judgment, but of a place of like, let's explore together. Let's unpack these things together. Not that I, here's my position on it per se, but let's, we're in the world, right? And the world doesn't stop in the walls of the classroom, right? It's an extension of that. It's a microcosm of what's happening outside. And so I, I, you know, I just challenge everyone to not shy away from the hard conversations and, you know, be a master at your craft, but also be willing to be a, a neophyte too. You got to be new. Sometimes you got to learn, you got to learn new ways of doing the same thing. So with that, I mean, it's been great. Ashe. Thank you so much, Kalia, for taking the time to be a guest on my podcast and sharing your story about being an educator, being a teacher in New York City, and how you have really led through your own example, being authentic in your relationships with students and those around you. It's really inspiring to see teachers, especially good teachers like yourself, who are spreading such positivity and conviction in the work that you do, knowing that you are showing up for not only your students, but also showing up for yourself, right? Equally important work, uh, the kind of citizen of the self, as you proclaimed, where you value your own body, your own experiences. I also appreciated what you shared about your uh, past teachers um, and how incredible models they were and how that informed you in your becoming as a teacher. I think uh, there's never a coincidence and all of those past references and uh, you know various peoples that made you who you are today would be very proud 
and uh, especially your call to action at the very end to have more people take up teaching as a profession. I think it is sorely needed and uh, very much contributes to this work of being a global citizen as well. So thank you once again.